5-0 days until opening day. I mean, shoot, it's going to be in the 50s this weekend. It's going to be warming up fast here in Milwaukee. Hi, everybody. I'm Dominic Catronio. More whiplash to react to. Brewers making some moves. The dust has settled on Corbin Burns. And some thoughts about, you know, who's actually going to play, who's in the bullpen, who's in the starting rotation, and everything that's gone down in the last six days. The last time we spoke, there was breaking news that Corbin Burns was traded. We went for an hour and a half. Today's breaking news will not require an hour and a half, but rather Gary Sanchez has been signed by the Brewers, reportedly by John Morosi and by uh, John Heyman, to the Brewers one year plus an option for 2025, and a power-hitting backup catcher joins the fold, and the Brewers have had multiple seemingly solutions already in the fold for their backup catcher position since Victor Caratini went to the Houston Astros, but this adds another... Interesting wrinkle to this offseason and what it has been. Also made the signing of Jacob Junis official today. And uh, there was a lot of questions about what was going to be the corresponding 40-man move for that one. And it was the DFA of Clayton Andrews. You remember the uh, smaller left-handed pitcher made a couple of cup of coffees, uh, cups of coffee, but rather didn't work out for him. And uh, wish Clayton all the best, but he was DFA'd today. Uh, he is no longer on the 40-man. But again... Another move will need to be made for Gary Sanchez to join the 40-man roster. Now, the Brewers had already signed uh, Eric Haas to be their backup catcher. That was one of the early moves they made, but there was something maybe to be desired there. I don't imagine they're going to carry three catchers, being William, Gary, and Haas. So he becomes expendable. You've also got Austin Nola in camp on a minor league deal. He'll be a non-roster invitee as well. And oh, by the way, Jefferson Caro is on the 40-man roster. And if Caro is going to be on the trajectory that he was from last season, if he stays healthy, we could see him in the big leagues at some point as well. So this Gary Sanchez move is a little bit of a, huh, okay, catcher suddenly very crowded right now for the Brewers, but... You know, the main question is, well, why would you get him? Because he hits dingers, man. Because he had a 492 slugging last season with a 780 OPS. Uh, in He hit 19 bombs with, with the Padres. He hits. He hits homers. He's going to be in the lineup against lefties. He'll give William a day when he needs it. And it seems like Eric Haas is suddenly outside of the picture right now for the Brewers, given they've got Nola on a minor league deal, they've got Navarretto down in the minor leagues, and they've got Caro actually on the 40-man waiting in the wing. So another move needs to happen for Gary Sanchez to come onto the 40-man roster. As for Junis, that was official today. Sounds like he's going to be a starter. And we'll get into some more specific pitching talk a little bit later on here in the program. In case you don't know much about Jacob Junis, so he originally started his career with the Kansas City Royals. Last year was with the uh, Giants, and mostly as a reliever last year, did a couple of opener uh, segments for them because Gabe Kapler and things were interesting with the way that they were doing things over there. But uh, most recently, four starts, 40 total appearances, 86 innings, 96 Ks. Uh, A solid FIP, 3.74, ERA 3.87, mostly reliever. Seems to be a starter. Starter majority of his career. Slider's his best pitch. And I'm really intrigued to see what's going to happen for his pitch repertoire 
for the Brewers and what they see out of him if he's going to be a starter. I don't imagine he's going to see a lineup more than twice, kind of like a Colin Ray situation. And again, this will all come up in the conversation here in a little bit about this pitching staff right now. But his best pitch is a slider. I mean, he threw a slider more than any other pitch in his repertoire last year. Virtually scrapped his sinker. He threw it very rarely. Doesn't throw a four-seamer anymore. Uh, if he can get ground balls at an elite rate and get swings and misses with that uh, slider, and changeup's okay. We'll see. Uh, th- there's a lot to be figured out there with Junis, and I tweeted this. I stand by it. I say it every year this time of year. You can never have enough pitching because right now you're heading into the danger zone. You're heading into these next three to four weeks is when it feels like you're walking through a minefield of pitcher injuries. Things pop up out of nowhere, and somebody goes down with elbow tenderness, or you know, you're starting to ramp things back up. Guys are arriving to camp early, making sure they're healthy and good to go. Obviously, with Wade Miley's injury history, you never know what you're going to get out of him. Is Junis going to be able to bounce from throwing 86 innings last year, majority of them out of the bullpen, to maybe being asked to throw 120 innings this year? Is Colin Ray going to be able to throw uh, what he did last year, maybe even a bigger role this year. So there's a lot of questions when it comes to arms this time of year of who's going to be healthy, and you can never have enough pitching. So Jacob Junis is the move today. Gary Sanchez is a reported move. And there are questions about the Corbin Burns deal, and as the dust has settled on all that, or well, now now you've saved $15 million by trading him. What are you going to do with the savings? Well, there's your answer. Go get Gary Sanchez and go get Jacob Junis. $7 million apiece. There's $14 million. You throw in the, the major league minimums for Ortiz and for Hall. Boom. There's your salary for Corbin Burns used right back up. So in the long run, yeah, they're not going to sign Corbin Burns to a long-term deal, but they're keeping the payroll at the exact same spot it was with or without Corbin Burns. So if somebody's trying to tell you it's a cost-cutting move, they added the, the value right back, at least the money value. Obviously not the pitching value, but we will see how everything shakes out for the Brewers this year. Up next, I want to talk a little bit about the rumors of Willie Adamas and what it means for the infield right now. Then let's talk a little bit more about the dust and Corbin, and that's gone. So what's the pitching staff going to look like actually? Some pitching, or rather some position player battles to look out for. Uh, A guy that I think not quite on solid footing right now, just trying to make sense of what this last six, seven-day stretch was, really the last 12 days ever since the Reese Hoskins signing broke. I mean, you go from adding Reese, oh my gosh, we're going for it, to trading Corbin, like, oh my gosh, what just happened, to now adding to an arm and a backup catcher when you thought he already had a backup catcher, and you're like, but this, that, uh, mm, you know, just back and forth. So it's just such such an odd feeling right now. I, I get it, but we're 50 days away from opening day. We're a week away from pitchers and catchers reporting out in spring training. I report in 11 days. Uh, I'll be down in Arizona for all of camp starting uh, coverage starting on the Monday that position players report. So very excited to get down there. Let's talk a little bit about Willie. Let's talk a little bit about the infield and the trade that was last week. If you want to join the show, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. WTMJ Talk and Text Line. More to come after this on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Welcome back. 
I'm Dominic Catronio. Max Meyerson is our producer here tonight. Uh, text line here jumping in, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. Wouldn't Sanchez be more of a DH option? Yes and no. I, I DH, outfield, crowded. What do you do with Christian Yelich? Somebody's going to be on the outside looking in of Churio, Freelich, Mitchell, and Yelich. You know, you got four outfielders for three spots, so one of them's got to be a DH. I think Sanchez will probably DH against lefties. And he can play a little bit of first base in a pinch, but Reese is going to be an everyday first baseman. Williams is going to be in the lineup every day in one way, shape, or another, whether he's catching or DHing. I really only see Sanchez only playing against lefties, and then on the day that you realize, oh my gosh, Williams caught you know, eight days in a row, need to give him a day kind of thing. So I, I, I think he's more of a strict against lefties and then give Contreras a day role, whether that's catching or DHing remains to be seen. But I think he'll primarily be catching, assuming Reese's health at first base. But that's a good question there as well. This one, Tom from Pewaukee. Lots of thoughts. Backup catcher with defensive upside and hits lefties. The Brewers, the most Brewers move ever. Lots of one-year deals. Roster is very flexible if things don't go well and if we need to pivot. What do we do with right field? It's a package for Lazardo with Mitchell and Weimer too wild. Yes, that is too wild, Tom. Uh, what, Lazardo's got two years of control left, three years of control left, and... I I think that's way too wild. For an actual question, how many wins do you think it will take to win the Central? My number is 88, but every team aside from nursing home in St. Louis is relying on freshmen and sophomores. Depends on if the Cubs actually wake up and realize Tom Ricketts has money. Um, I, I, 88's a good number. You always think 90 gets you in the playoffs. I, I, I like 88. I can see the division being won with 86. Given, let's say the Cubs don't add anybody in their their current roster, they're not they're not winning the division. I think the Reds' current roster can win eighty six pretty easily. I don't think their current roster can win ninety because I'm worried about their pitching staff. The Reds, Cardinals, do they have enough to get to Helsley? And then does Arenado and Goldschmidt have a bounce back year? Does Edmund take the step forward they've been waiting for? Does uh, Newt Barr take the step forward? You know, there, there's a lot of still questions about the Cardinals. Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think 88 seems like a good number, 90 for certain, but that's every year. That's a good question. Thanks for reaching out there, Tom. Let's talk about Willie Adamas here, okay? We're going to have to deal with this all year long, so prepare yourself. Will Willie Adamas be traded? I said a couple weeks ago on this program, I would be flabbergasted if they traded him when we were talking about Zips projections and things of that nature. Obviously, things have changed since then. Adding Joey Ortiz, adding you know some infield depth around, knowing this is the final year of Willie Adamas. And everyone's like, well, now you got to trade Willie since you traded Corbin Burns. I was trying to find a suitor for him, you know, before the season starts. Things can change during the year. Guys get hurt. Guys underperform. Things like that. But let me just, I just went simply on the war leaderboards, the projected leaderboards. Who would want, what team really needs some pop, needs some help from their shortstop position that would be willing to take a one-year roll of the dice on Willie Adamas? Okay, this this also shocked me, too. The team that's in last place on war for the 2024 season for shortstop. Max, I'll open you up here. Who do you think has the worst projected war from their shortstop? What team? 
I wouldn't be able to tell you. Um, it's not the Brewers, is it? It's not the Brewers. This, and this is assuming Bre- Willie's on the Brewers. Right. The Detroit Tigers with Javi Baez. Oh. Yikes. 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 Now, the now Baez is getting paid, so they're not going to move him off, off of that. And again, it's a one-year deal, so Willie's not going there. The Giants are 29th. Now, the Giants' top prospect is Marco Luciano, and he is a shortstop. So I don't see them also in that division with what the Dodgers and what the Diamondbacks have done. Do the Giants really feel like they're competitors and want to give up prospect capital for one year of Willie Adams? I don't see that happening. Number 28, the White Sox. They're, they're tearing it down. The 20, Number 27, the Rockies. They're a rudderless ship. Number 26, the Marlins. Made the playoffs last year. It's a good question, but two of their aces aren't really going to be super available this year. Most keenly, Sandy Alcantara. Um, I, I, I don't see it with them. Again, one year of Willie. I don't see the Marlins doing that, especially given the Phillies have reloaded, the Mets should be better, and you've still got to deal with the Braves in your division. I don't see them doing that, giving up prospect capital, capital in that tough division. A's. Next, uh, Braves are 24th. Orlando Arcia signed a multi-year deal. He's not going anywhere. 23rd, the Guardians. Now, Brian Rocchio's their top prospect. He's also a shortstop, considered to be the guy. I know that's your team, Max. 22, Diamondbacks. Geraldo Prodomo. He's not going anywhere. Their top prospect is Jordan Lawler. He's also a shortstop. He's not going anywhere. 21, Cardinals. Mason Wynn. You're not trading Willie within the division anyway. 20, National. C.J. Abrams. He's going to be a cornerstone for their organization. You're not moving him. 19, the Rays. And that's the first time, the first team I can circle going backwards of war from shortstops. I'm like, huh, that kind of makes sense for unfortunate circumstances with Wander Franco's uh, legal troubles and stupidity. But I don't think Willie would want to go back. And furthermore, the Rays, I mean, they've got a multitude of guys. They've, and they've got Junior Caminero on the way. Maybe they want to hand the keys to Junior this year. Maybe that's 19. But now, from here on, you're heading into teams with established shortstops. Number 18, Gavin Lux. Nope. Number 17, the Astros, Jeremy Pena. Nope. Number 16, the Pirates, O'Neill Cruz. Nope. Number 15, the Red Sox, Trevor Story. Nope. Number 14, the Reds, Ellie De La Cruz. Nope. 13, Yankees, Anthony Volpe, Anthony and Oswaldo Peraza. Nope. 12, Angels, Zach Neto, known. 11, Orioles, Jackson Holiday, nope. 10, Mariners, J.P. Crawford, nope. And you get what I'm pointing at. Now we're at the Brewers, Willie Adams at number 9. So I just wanted to go on that little rant there of like, trade Willie. It's going to happen at some point during the season if it's going to happen because all those teams I listed, they don't have a need at shortstop right now. It's not a fit. It's going to have to be somebody losing their shortstop for a year and want to go out and get Willie Adams. So, if you keep Willie for the full year, it becomes this Corbin Burns situation again. You can give him the qualifying offer. I've been on record saying, I don't know if it's a lock that he gets a qualifying offer. A lot of people say, oh yeah, absolutely, he's going to get a qualifying offer. It's going to be somewhere like $20, $21 million next year. I'm not positive the Brewers are going to offer him a qualifying offer. Now, they might. Maybe he has an incredible year, and that would be good for both Willie and for the Brewers if Willie has a great year then you're probably going to give him a qualifying offer. But if he has a year like he had last year, I'm probably not giving him a qualifying offer. So that remains to be seen. Just remind people that it takes two to tango 
when you want to talk about trading Willie Adamas, the other team needs to have a need and needs to fit their current goals. A lot of teams, shortstop, up the middle, that's where teams start, up the middle. Catcher, shortstop, center field, pitching. There's a reason why it's one of the more higher-paid position players in baseball. And Willie is a rare breed of a shortstop being able to hit home runs. So, I mean, look at Bobby Witt Jr. just got paid. Trey Turner got paid a couple of years ago. Corey Seager got paid a couple of years ago. Francisco Lindor got paid a couple of years ago. Xander Bogarts got paid a couple of years ago. Carlos Correa, you get what I'm saying. So... I'm ready to run it back with Willie. I still think that makes sense. And if he has a great year, give him a qualifying offer, get another pick in the 2025 draft. I'd be cool with that. Or maybe he decides to stay put. You never know. Uh, let me get to a couple more texts before I get to the break. Do you know if Terang has been putting on any muscle this offseason and if he's been working on his swing? I hope he'll be a little bit better offensively. I love him on defense and would hate to see him get beat by Ortiz or Monasterio or Miller. Uh, this That one is from uh, Usher Chris. Thanks uh, for listening, Chris. Appreciate you. Terang's, Terang's not on solid ground, and maybe we'll switch around the rundown. I'm going to put, let's talk about the infield coming up next. So we're going to talk about Terang and Ortiz and Monasterio and all those guys. I I haven't heard anything. I follow him on Instagram. I haven't seen anything out of the ordinary. Maybe we'll learn more here in a week or two about Bryce, but I was clicking around his baseball savant page the other day, man. Bryce is a great dude, amazing glove, but we need to see some pop there. It's He knows it. That's why he was being asked to bunt the last month of the season. Uh, it's going to be very, very interesting. And it doesn't help in this case that he's left-handed. This team is suddenly very left-handed. Another text here from the 414. I'm just tired of winning. I'm tired of just winning the division. I'm hoping for a wild card. They go to the World Series. Yeah, I mean, you kind of got to be a wild card to win the World Series these days, it seems like. Look at the last couple of years. So I'd be all for that. That'd be tough to do in the National League this year, given you look at. I feel like the best route for the Brewers is to win the division, given the Diamondbacks are very competitive out West because they're going to be in second place in the NL West. The East is a bloodbath between the Braves, the Mets, and the Phillies, and maybe the Marlins. Who knows? And then the Cardinals and Cubs. Who knows? But yeah, I mean, winning the division just kind of takes care of itself. We'll see. We shall see. Let's take a quick breather. Let's talk about the infield. That's coming up next year. Brewers Weekly, WTMJ. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Welcome back. Going to the top of the hour. I'm Dominic Catronio. This is Brewers Weekly, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. That is your WTMJ talking text line. You can text in, you can call in, have you come in and chat about what's going on with the Brew Crew right now. We are 50 days away from opening day. So this text led me into this talking about Bryce Terang. So let's talk a little bit about what's going on with the infield right now. A reminder, with Junis and Sanchez being signed, they're currently at a 41 on the 40-man roster, so somebody else has to be taken off, you know, maybe somebody without options, a uh, Chiago Vieira, a uh, J.B. Bukowskis, uh, somebody who probably is on the outside looking in. It's probably going to get DFA'd here in the next couple of days. But the infield with the addition of Joey Ortiz is super crowded right now. And I want to remind everybody, I still think Tyler Black should be on this team, but he's not on the 40-man yet. So that's another corresponding move that's lurking to do. And another corresponding move that is lurking is Robert Gasser. He is not 
on the 40-man roster yet. So these are all moves you have to think about. Is Jansen Junk actually being floated to play in foreign leagues? He's been floated to play in Japan with the SoftBank Hawks. I don't know. That's a spot right there. I mentioned the guys with no options remaining, that those could be DFA'd or guys that are off your 40-man. Then with a 60-day IL, if somebody else gets hurt, that opens up a, man, a spot on the 40-man. So there are ways around it, but keep in mind, Tyler Black still needs to be added to the 40-man rosters. We're just talking about the infield in this segment. If Joey Ortiz is going to make the club out of spring training, which I imagine he will, you don't just trade your Cy Young for the guy to go to AAA again. He's done what he's supposed to do in AAA. He's torn the cover off the ball there. He improved a lot of his metrics. I, I can see an infield with Tyler Black at third, Willie Adamas at short, Joey Ortiz at second. You could also put Ortiz at third and Black at second. Either way, interchangeable. Reese Hoskins at first, William Contreras behind the plate. That's pretty darn good. Sign me up for that. That sounds like a lot of fun. When I see Terang... Yes, he can play short. Yes, he spent most of last season playing set gold glove caliber. He had to be first runner, like fourth place out of the top five, you know, three get finalist. He had to be fourth place. He's got the capability to win a gold glove one day. But as scouting reports have been telling us after this Corbin Burns trade, Joey Ortiz also has that capability. And what Joey Ortiz has going for him is he's right-handed, so he's going to be in the lineup more often than Bryce will be. And from what we gather, has more pop in the bat than Bryce does. Bryce also has one more option year. So let's say, just for argument's sake here, they make all the other moves. They want to have they want to have Tyler Black on the team, so they make a spot for him on the 40-man. Ortiz is already on the 40-man. So Bryce Terrain gets optioned out of spring training. He starts the year in AAA Nashville. And Ortiz is your starting second baseman or third baseman. It doesn't sound like you're going to be losing anything defensively. But all of a sudden, his versatility puts both Andre Monasterio and Owen Miller under the microscope. Because you still got Jake Bowers in the fold, too. Bowers can play first base or corner outfield. And if you've got Gary Sanchez on this team, who's mostly a DH catcher, a little bit of first base, too, you're only going to have room for probably one infielder. I mean, in addition to Bowers, I'm saying. And it's going to be either Monasterio or Miller. Now, Miller has one more option year. Monasterio has two. And, excuse me, Monasterio has all three of his option years remaining. So, you've got versatility there. And I will remind Brewers fans the line you've heard for a very long time, and I will repeat it once more. This organization does not make moves until they have to. Meaning, they will probably keep all of these infielders in camp as long as possible. They will keep Bryce Terang all the way to the last week of March trying to figure out if they want to have him on the big league team. They will not put Tyler Black on the 40-man roster until the day that camp breaks. They will not put Robert Gasser, if they want to put him on the 40-man roster, until the day that camp breaks. This is... What they do. They wait until the last moment. Injuries can happen at any moment. Trades can happen at any moment. So, be patient with this. I see it... If I were rolling out an opening day lineup tomorrow, I would probably put 
Joey Ortiz at third base. And then I'd keep Black in my... Because I've been saying Tyler Black is going to be on my team. Black at second base, which is more of his position. He's played... He's learning third base. He can play either one, but I want to see Ortiz at third. And then you you run everything else like we just said. Reese at first, Adamas at short, Contreras catching. The outfield's crowded. The outfield, it sounds like Yelly, Yelly's going to be DHing maybe more than we anticipate, but that's got to be figured out too. I, I, I'm trying to find a way for Bryce Terang to make this team, and we need to see something. So that's one of the battles, one of the performances to watch. He still has one more option here. So even if he doesn't make the team, it's not like a Keston Hero situation last year where, you know, it was clear it was clear he wasn't going to make the team. He was, you know, DFA'd. Nobody wanted him. Stayed in the minor leagues all year, and he's still a minor league free agent from what I gather. So there will still be another year, and that in 2025 spring training, we'll be facing the conflict of, okay, is Bryce Strang making the team or not? So that's... That's what's ahead here for the infield conflicts for the Brewers. So let's lead that into some pitching conflicts. You know, we're just we're a week away from pitchers and catchers. We're projecting out the roster. We're trying to figure out which club, which crew of Brewers are actually going to be on that final 26-man roster. So we'll have more detailed final roster projections during spring training, but this is our Early look at things coming up next. So stay with us, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620 is the WTMJ Talking Text Line. Take a breather. Come back with more after this. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. You can follow me on Twitter, or X, whatever we call it these days, at Dom underscore Catronio, D-O-M underscore C-O-T-R-O-N-E-O, Cotron E-O. It's a weird one. I know. Hopefully I pop up quickly in your suggested. But anyway, let's talk pitching. On Twitter this week, I had an unfortunate typo when I was just openly asking, just kind of shouting out into the void as we all do on social media. I came up with categories of the pitching staff. I said, I mean, there's 13 pitchers on a roster. I count 19 guys that realistically could fit on this big league roster. It's really 18 because I made a typo. I put Yoel Piamps on there twice. But let me let me take you through this process, okay? So here are my categories. You've got the non-roster guys that would need to be added if they're going to be on the, the roster. you got the guys without options. And I, I want to clarify, I, this is subjective. This is me. I'm saying I think you are one of the 18 best pitchers in this organization that has a chance to break camp with the team. Now, I don't have Chiago Vieira and I don't have J.B. Bukowskis on this list. Because they are out of options, they rarely pitched with the lead last year, and between injury histories and maybe other teams will have a need for them, but the Brewers, I, as of now, injuries can happen, don't have a need for them. So I feel like those are the two guys that are expendable. They're not in that no options category. Uh, guys with options, are you healthy? Is it just an open-ended question? Guys that signed an MLB deal without guarantees of what their role is going to be. And then the locks. Okay, these guys are definitely on the team. So let's start with the locks here, okay? This this makes sense, especially with this week's news. I've got, in alphabetical order, D.L. Hall, in some capacity, is going to be on this team. Trevor McGill. Man, he, low key, you need to go back and look at Trevor McGill's stats from like July on last year. One of the best relievers in baseball out of nowhere. And throwing 100. Uh, Hobie Milner, lock. Wade Miley, lock. 
Yoel Piomps, lock. That was the typo. I apologize, world. Uh, Freddie Peralta, your opening day starter, lock. Abner Uribe, lock. Devin Williams, lock. Okay? That's eight out of the 13 that are locks. And then you got two guys that signed MLB deals. Jacob Junis, who feels like is a lock, $7 million, should be a lock. And Colin Ray. Probably a lock. So, all right, let's put them both as locks. That's 10. Okay? Then you got the question of, are you healthy? That goes to Aaron Ashby and Joe Ross. Uh, I, I want to believe in Aaron Ashby. I want to. We just need to see it again from him because, man, it was good in 2022 or 2021. It was shaky and the injury started to pop up in 2022. But, man, he, I mean, 97 mile hour sinkers, excuse me. So I would love to see Ashby back at full strength because there's a reason why the Brewers signed him to that extension. And it's a reason why you always have to be worried about shoulder injuries and the recoveries and why it's such a fickle injury, the shoulder as opposed to the elbow. Then you got guys with options remaining that could be interchangeable. You've got Taylor Clark, who you acquired from the Royals. You've got Brian Hudson, who you acquired from the Dodgers. You've got Jansen Junk, who's mostly a starter but came out pumping 97 in the last day of the season last year. But now Junk has been floated to maybe going to Japan, so we're waiting confirmation if that's actually going to happen or not. Then you've got Elvis Peguero, who has options remaining. You got a guy with no options, like Bryce Wilson. And then you've got a guy that's not on the roster and Robert Gasser. Those last few categories, let's say all the MLB deals and those locks I mentioned, that's 10. I just named another eight guys that are realistically in the picture if they're going to be pitching. So let's just start with the starting rotation, okay? Peralta's your one. Miley's your two. D.L. Hall? Is he your three? I doubt they would stack the lefties back-to-back. Maybe they would. Jacob Junis, your four, if he's going to be a traditional starter. And then... Is it going to be Ray? Are you going to go with six men with Gasser or Ross? Is this going to be a a funky back end of the rotation where you're asking, all right, Jacob Junis and Colin Ray, we want you to go five innings. Robert Gasser, you're going to get two or three innings. Or Joe Ross, you're going to get two or three innings. Or Bryce Wilson, you're going to get two or three innings. And then we're going to give it to the bullpen. What's clear to me, the bullpen is going to be the most important piece of this team, and they're going to ask a lot out of this bullpen this year. So be prepared for that. A lot of short starts from the back end of this rotation. Freddie's going to need to be deep. Miley's going to need to be healthy. And D.L. Hall is going to have to prove he can be a starter. And that can help keep the bullpen fresh enough to make it through a season. But then the back end of your bullpen, it's pretty interchangeable. Seven through nine we know the personnel that's going to be involved with that. Williams has the ninth. A combination of Piomps or Uribe or McGill or Milner will all have the seventh and eighth, whatever part of the lineup you're in. And then you got to figure out, does, is Clark going to be on your team? Is Hudson going to be on your team? Is Piguero going to be on your team? Is Wilson going to be on your team? And a lot of folks are surprised that I didn't put Bryce Wilson in the lock category. It's just because of how much depth they have around him. Bryce still threw the majority of his innings last year with the team trailing. So keep that in mind. 
it's not a knock on him. He served his role. He was the unsung hero. He pitched very well in those roles. But maybe the Brewers have other personnel that they feel, you know what? We've got more depth in the long relief than then bridge it to the short relief, to the high leverage guys. So that's reason why I didn't put Bryce Willis. I don't, I don't think he's suddenly off the team. I don't think that at all. I just think that there's a lot of competition now all of a sudden, and competition brings out the best in you. So 18 guys for 13 spots. It's pretty crowded right now for the Brewers pitching staff. And how many starters are they going to carry? Are they going to be traditional starters? Are they going to have five and dives and then a bullpen day? Are they going to have openers? All questions to be figured out here in the next couple of weeks. It's fun. It's fun to be talking about baseball this deep. You know, this we're, we're, we're that we're there. You know, we're almost there at the end of all of this. So 50 days to opening day. We're a week away from pitchers and catchers. I think it's what? Like 20 days to first game? Something like that? Pulling up my calendar now. Riveting radio right now. Uh, yeah, Less than that. It's actually uh, 17 days to the first game. We'll get that broadcast schedule out for you here. You can listen here on WTMJ. Most of spring training or over on ESPN Milwaukee as well. Take a little breather. Come back with more, some NL Central thoughts, some free agency thoughts after this. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Welcome back. Got a little bit left in the program. Quick segment here, just about the Central, about everything. So MLB Network is going through its top 100 players right now. It's like they're projection slash predictive model, the steamer, the shred, you know, they do the top 10 right now by position. Uh, Devin Williams was the number one reliever right now. Uh, William Contreras made the top 10 as well for catchers. Christian Yelich even made it top 10 left fielders. So there's some positivity. Willie Adamas top 10 shortstop. So a lot of good things happening. But today the 61 through 80 were released and, we see Yelly break through there. Yelly at number 72. That's a good spot. I think, yeah. He's actually ahead of William Contreras, according to MLB Network. William got the one slot edge on his brother, Wilson. Uh, William is listed at number, uh, let me see here, 81. Wilson's at number 82. So, okay, that's fun. And it's funny looking at this list and seeing, you know, a couple of guys like Jorge Soler and Jacob Montgomery just have FA, free agent, next to their name instead of team. How are we 50 days from opening day and the reigning NL Cy Young winner, Blake Snell, isn't signed. The reigning hero of the postseason for the Rangers from a pitching side of things, Jordan Montgomery, is not signed. A former MVP and Rookie of the Year in Cody Bellinger is not signed. A perennial gold glove winner and solid power, 20-25 home run power in Matt Chapman is not signed yet. Jorge, I mean, Jorge Zolaire is not signed. J.D. Martinez has not signed yet. I mean, the, the Padres and Dodgers report to camp this weekend because they're playing in Korea earlier than everybody else. Let's go, Scotty! Come on, Boris. Let's get these guys signed. Let's get it over with. So I don't have to sit here and keep making the, you know, disclaimer of, well, if the Cubs re-sign Bellinger, if the Cubs re-sign Chapman, what are they going to do? So I, I see all this stuff, and I'm like, 
Uh, man, can I get on with my prep here? Can I figure out what's going to go on with everything? So I, I, I can't believe it. I, I still, I'll repeat it again. I still think the Reds right now, as things are constructed, are the favorite of the division, but it's still wide open. I, I didn't take a deep look at Pakoda. I was going to save that for next week's show, given all the news with Gary Sanchez. Pakoda's projections are out. Fangraph's projections are out. We'll take more time with all that stuff next week. But take my last break here and uh, wrap up the program after this on WTMJ. Dom, thanks for tuning in. Looking ahead at our Brewers weekly schedule here on WTMJ, your home of the Brewers. Next week, we'll be on WTMJ. Don't worry. It'll just be a taped version of Brewers Weekly, given it is Valentine's Day. Got got plans. I hope you do too, so you can listen to this in podcast form after the fact. Maybe you can listen with your loved ones, of course. You know, so uh, that would be next week again. Same time, same place, because the Bucks play on Thursday next week as well. We'll have a taped edition of Valentine's Day of Brewers Weekly. Then I head down to the Valley of the Sun, Our next Brewers Weekly after Valentine's Day will be back on a Thursday. It'll be on February 22nd. And then that leads me into an exciting week of coverage, uh, the first full week of games in spring training. So I will have live hits. I will be on a lot of programming throughout every day, the last week of February here on WTMJ. I'll also have three longer editions of Brewers Weekly on... Monday, Wednesday, and Friday of that last week of February, the 26th, the 28th, and the 1st. Talk plenty about the Brewers, talk about the current staff, talk about the current players, things of that nature. So mark your calendars. We're going to have three extended Brewers weeklies. We're going to have a lot of guests lined up for those, a lot of players, a lot of you know Matt Arnold's, Pat Murphy's, Ricky, Ricky Weeks, Garrett Mitchell's, guys like that. So we're going to get all that lined up for that final week of February and keep an eye out for some stronger content to follow WTMJ that week. That week, the Brewers will face the Reds. They will host, or they will go to the Angels. They will also host the Cubs. Yep. Council's first game as a visitor at Maryville. Then they'll go to Surprise, take on the Rangers, and they will also host the Padres. So, We'll get the broadcast schedule out for you, too, here on WTMJ, so you can hear Mr. Baseball, you can hear Jeff, you can hear Lane, you can hear Josh here on WTMJ to start feeling like baseball again. I would say it start feeling like spring again, but hey, we're in the middle of fake spring right now. I'm going to go play some golf this weekend. It's wild. What a sentence to say to play golf in February in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So that's just a look ahead of what's to come here for the Brew Crew. Thank you for everybody who's tuned in all off-season long. We're almost at the end, man. I've almost got... The sounds of spring training in my head right now. The, the the cleats on concrete, the crack of the bat, some soft yacht rock going. Can't wait to get some uh, baseball back in the blood. For Max Myers and our producer, I'm Dom Catronio. Keep on swinging.